You're listening to 2.23am with Dr. Christine McDougall. Are you ready for a new kind of success and fulfillment? End the silent struggle. Join us as Dr. Christine McDougall speaks to successful, high-achieving men as they share their journey towards a more fulfilling and sustainable life and business and discover the better alternative. It's 2.23am and the life of your future is calling. My interview today is with the one and only Murray Goldbraith. Best described as a creative polymath, Murray is the mind behind some of the most progressive and influential projects in Australia. With an award-winning career spanning multiple industries, including design, media, advertising and events, Murray is unlike almost every entrepreneur you've ever come across before. A proud father and mental health advocate, his online projects include Australia's first ever successfully funded Kickstarter campaign called Pretty Rad for a Dad and Dads.co, a global community of digital dads. But it's his offline work in large-scale emerging technology events where he has truly made his mark. With a deep sense of curiosity and a unique ability to connect cultural, political and technological dots, Murray has helped design and deliver events like Pause Fest in Melbourne and Myriad in Queensland. In this conversation, we talk about being a dad, learning to like the outdoors as a means to manage the low points, fishing as meditation, how to develop habits that add to life, the need for humans to be wise stewards of technology, and the hundred years ahead, important because our kids will live that long, so we better start thinking about it. Just a note, there are a few mild technical issues with this recording. Enjoy the episode with Murray Goldbraith. So, Murray, so lovely to have you here on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. As a friend and someone I have worked with, as you know, this podcast is about a whole new kind of success and fulfilment for ambitious, driven, entrepreneurial men. That means um, the ability to be whole, to be more vulnerable, to live harmonious lives that include family, health and well-being. Uh, we live in interesting times, to say the least. <clears throat> Our background today, today includes the Me Too movement, Trumpistan, politicians gone rogue and apparently another 270 plus years, according to UNESCO, before women are seen as equals to men if we continue at the same rate as today. Wow. Yeah. Output. <laughs> as a father of a daughter and a successful entrepreneur is only getting warmed up and has got the best yet to come, I'd, I'd like to open with what is it like to be a man in this environment, a man and a dad? Well, uh, I must say when you put it like that, it's somewhat of a, a bleak um, horizon or a bleak, bleak, uh, a bleak look, but um, as a very, very fortunate father of two, but uh, one daughter, I must say anytime I spend time with her, uh, anytime I see her respond to strong women, uh, be they business people, sports women, I mean, my girl is only three, but I feel like I am... Uh, not just honoured, but actually excited and empowered by the response that she has to to other strong uh, women and and men um, in her life. I think, uh, like most dads, 
I, I certainly hope like most dads, uh, I can't think of anything more empowering or exciting um, than walking in the door at the end of the day and having a, a bright, beautiful, clever, generous, patient young woman come up and think that you're the greatest thing in the world. So uh, I do everything I possibly can to try and learn about how to help embolden her and make her <clears throat> feel stronger and more prepared and resilient for the world. I think um, any any man or any dad who is doing anything but that to women is not only hurting them, but um, I think hurting themselves and doing us all a disservice. Mm. And so, which is amazing because um, even in my in my life, I've seen a shift um, in the way uh, I, I was brought up in the sort of like the very traditional family of the dad goes out to work and the mother takes care of the home. And so that, that huge separation, but even um, I'm seeing where men are making more conscious decisions to be more actively engaged. And, uh, and of course, part of that is, is a requirement um, because more women are engaging in the workforce as well. Uh, so, so, you know, this is, this is good news. On the other side of that, um, if we look at um, some of the uh, some of the current sort of like trends and et cetera, et cetera, such as the Me Too movement and and women speaking out about things that have remained silent, the um, the inquiries into sexual abuse in in uh, institutions and so on. You know, we we are at a I I believe at an intersection of. Um, male-female relationships and, uh, and um, I've often felt that women spend a lot of time supporting each other but men are kind of left as islands. Can you speak into any of that? Yeah, I can. Um, five, six years ago, I, uh, I very much felt um, at, the, at that transition point, uh, I was about to become uh, a dad or no, I'd, I'd recently become a dad and uh, looked everywhere for role models and resources. And as you've uh, so finely articulated, the, there is, there was, and I think to a certain extent there still is a distinct lack of um, roles and role models and resources for men who uh, have seen the, vast, vast and deep effects of feminism and, and the, you know, we, we call, you know, um, the last year or two very significant. But, I mean, anyone who is of a generation younger than my parents, I guess, has seen a huge shift um, in, in sort of both responsibility and uh, roles and stuff for, for women at home, um, which has had a really powerful effect on men. And because we don't live in the same uh, world of sharing that, uh, that, that many women do, and, and certainly not all women share, but um, very, very few men do. And uh, so there wasn't a blog. There wasn't a, um, there wasn't a Mamma Mia or, uh, you know, a, a series of email lists for me to go and, and subscribe to and go, how do I... Um, how do I? How do, How can I be a better parent? How can I be a, a better husband? Because 
as far as I was aware, my job was to provide for my new young family and at least have a conversation with my partner as to her preferences uh, um, about, you know, would she like to contribute to that? How long did she want to stay at home after having a parent, having a baby, etc. Um, but I mean, beyond that, most men just looked at me and said, well, why, why would, why would you care? I mean, why, why do you even, why do you want to be at home with the kids? You know, like, uh, isn't, isn't that the great thing about being a, a man? And I was like, well, no, I, I think I, I, I know there's, I know I'm missing out. I just don't know. I don't have words for it. I don't know what I'm missing out on. I don't even know the questions to be asking, let alone who to ask them to. Hmm. Very interesting. And so you, you mentioned this, uh, this, um, sort of cultural imperative and it's probably it's probably historically genetically encoded as well for the men to be the provider how has that how has that at times weighed on you uh i would say it comes and goes uh, for me personally um but it is uh it comes and goes in in depth and in intensity, but um, to an extent, I'm I'm always aware of it. And to a certain extent, I think I'm almost always fearful of it. There is a there is a sense of duty and responsibility that comes with that, um, which I've never like. No one's ever said to me, "This is your job." Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, possibly, <laughs> maybe some have, maybe my granddad did at some point or whatever, but I don't think uh, I've ever had a conversation with someone. Um, I, I, we didn't learn this at school. It wasn't, a, it is just an unwritten law. You need to make sure that uh, everyone has a roof over their head and that um, your kids have slightly better opportunities than what you did, etc. And that weighs incredibly heavily on me, um, particularly when, as I found, at, at really key points throughout um, my, I guess, early parenting or sort of just before parent. So there's these huge collision points that, that I've, you know, spent the last sort of five or six years discussing with other dads and, and really considering myself. And the big ones are, um, first, becoming a parent. So most men um, really discover that they're about to become a dad um, when they're literally about to become a dad or they've just become a dad. It seems silly to most women that that's the case, but what most women forget is that uh, men don't go through the same physiological mm-hmm. changes that they do. There is no nine-month gestation period. Um, you know, it might be obvious to everyone else that they're about to become a dad, but up until the point of birth, it is essentially uh, still your same thoughts in your head. Stuff has happened to you before. It's been big. It's been, you know, tough to go through school or tough to get a job and tough to get married or whatever it is that you've done. But there is a point at which there is no return. And then that monologue shifts, as, shifts to a conversation between you and the world and your partner and your kid or whatever it is in a way that I certainly haven't experienced and I think most men 
have not experienced at any other point. So becoming a parent is a very, very significant one, but I think there's also others and they can be experienced with a healthy or unhealthy dose of mental health with anxiety, depression, etc. And it's really at those points and they're often between <laughs> between jobs when you get fired mm-hmm. or let go or, you know, get really mm-hmm. bummed out that you feel a sense of duty and a sense of emptiness or uselessness that um, uh, simply doesn't really get acknowledged at, at any other point. And it's pretty hard to talk to people yeah. about. I think that's what I think a lot of women really don't really connect with uh, the issues that a lot of guys go through because yeah. they just say, well, just talk, talk about it. And that is simply not a tool which we are given or yeah so let's talk about that because this is this is just part of the i believe one of the most critical aspects of a more healthy whole uh human male female relationships and i'm i'm being quite binary here but for simplicity's sake (laughs) so so where, was there any stage in your childhood that you were aware that, that uh, you were supposed to sort of like step on your emotions and not have them be present or snuff them out or don't talk like that or, you know, whatever else like that, that, that this, this, this uh, um, what, what I would imagine would be, and I, I, I could be wrong here, would be a quite normal impulse for a, a young child to reach out to be soothed and to, to find a safe space to, to be emotional and human and all of that sort of stuff um, where that is kind of like, no, boys don't do that. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, my dad is okay. a total softie as well. So I doubt it. if there was, I doubt it came from him. Hmm. My mom is um, pretty tough. She can be quite abrupt. Some may say abrasive. I certainly wouldn't. Uh, but I would suggest if there was, it is a, because they had me very young at at 21, they were married at at 19, like any other good Christian couple and B, uh, because, uh, I, I, because I have a terrible memory. Um, I imagine it probably happened, uh, quietly, um, but before I can really remember, but there is nothing that stands out to me that says. Um, this is how I was brought up. For me, it was probably from the far more influential uh, part of my mm-hmm. life, which was my social circle, uh, growing up in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, very, very outer, um, no trains, no buses, um, not quite the bush and not quite the certainly not the city. I took all my cues from uh, mm. the people around me and it, it it never stopped me from being a softie. I mean, I've always been a super emotional, sort of talkative kind of guy. So uh, I don't think that's it. I, I think there's, I don't know, maybe there is something innate. I don't think it's genetic, but I certainly feel like there is a level of depth to this feeling that is somehow possibly connected in the same way that, if we're talking, you know, going back thousands or millions or whatever years of evolution, then, you know, potentially a, a woman looks to a male 
as a potent, a good solid breeding stock, and and a man looks at um, you know his his new brood as important yeah. to look after. I, I don't know. I, I certainly didn't. I didn't feel it before. I had huh, this. right. So, Very interesting. Um, so so the so the yeah. the the burden sort of arose sharply in that in that um, becoming apparent for you. Absolutely. There was a, we went out for a date night, five weeks. I remember the exact day. It was five weeks before my son was born and we were watching a movie about a very, very successful musician. And it suddenly dawned on me that I was a deeply unsuccessful, massive failure. I was not a millionaire. I had not written a whole bunch of cool songs. I had nothing to pass on to my, my children, my, whatever the, my boy or girl ended up being born as. And that therefore I had wasted my entire life and had nothing to pass on. It was a monumentally frightening and disappointing um, moment because I realized how much time I'd wasted and, you know, whether, whether you philosophize and say, well, actually, you know, you, maybe you hadn't, or, at the time, it yep. was almost it was almost enough to make me want to give up. I, I didn't talk to anyone. I ran away and I didn't I didn't talk to anyone for four right. days. I just disappeared. It was right. scary as hell. Uh, that um, that comparison stuff is pretty nasty, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure lots of other guys out there probably always yeah. wanted to be a famous something, you know, sports person, muso, race car driver, whatever. Seeing Eddie Vedder sitting up there wearing his cool, you know, outfits, going surfing, writing music, I was shocked at that that the power of that image had over me um, because logically in almost any other part of my life i would have said well i'm not a musician you know i gave up on doing that years ago it doesn't really drive me but there's something about this binary mm. moment that you slam into this wall of my life is no longer my life i don't have the these options that i thought i did i think that's why a lot of my friends haven't they're still not even married much less you know um settle down and, and having kids because that the thought of saying no to all of those opportunities or options whether perceived or or real is so you i could go a thousand directions with this what what through this process of of facing some of these issues what are you learning about you and about how to how 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 you're responding to these as they arise uh, so that's part one and part two of the question is then how how would it um, is it possible that we can actually create a future where where these type of conversations are had more openly with men in a, in a field of safety uh, I, I certainly believe we can and I think we probably will um, there are a lot of women who still have no interest in talking about, um, you know, feminism or, or, you know, the effects of this on them. So I don't think it's going to 
you know, yeah. necessarily happen to all men. I was interested to hear about this um, letter that a hundred famous French women wrote uh, an open letter to society saying that they um, backing men's right. rights to pester them uh, in response to the Me Too movement, which I was very surprised by. But, you know, I, I certainly don't think this is for everyone, but I think for those who are looking, I'm very grateful to live in a time where there are um, not only those also asking the question, but there are some answers. And, and certainly, you know, I think thanks in no small part to uh, to your good self, Christine. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of work being done by great people who are yeah. aiming to help um, men work through a lot of these questions. So I'm very grateful that uh, I got to meet you and and you've switched me on to a lot of other uh, people who are also asking great questions about yep. these. You're making types me blush, Murray. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so circling back to uh, what are what are the what are the mechanisms that you have deployed um, to cope with some of these uh, so some of these slam dunk four days in the wilderness after after seeing um, the future life of responsibility and 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 so on. So, what are some of the what have you what have you deployed that has helped you in those times where it feels like everything is just not working? Mm. Uh, well, one of them uh, is a, uh, I guess, a, a focus on the, and I, I have to, you know, um, certainly credit my, my long-suffering wife uh, for this theory. She uh, has studied um, early childcare and, and while not, you know, practising it, she has a real deep uh, faith and, and, and curiosity around um, how to be a good parent. She's, she's a born gifted giver um, of her time and, and um, patience and, and energy to, to our kids. And I really struggled with that for most of the time. I, I still struggle with the kids when they're, you know, being, you know, little barbarians. But she has helped me see them and time with them as the equivalent of investing in a long-term, you know, uh, into it rather than, you know, investing in a bank or a uh, financial return. We're basically investing in a person. And so when I am frustrated by uh, <laughs> having to read the same book <laughs> a thousand friggin' times, or you know, being pestered to spend money on something which you know is is clearly just putting more crap into the world that no one needs. Then uh, I I realize, well, essentially, what they're doing is asking for something to fill a hole in their lives, and if I'm not prepared to get down at their level and speak to them and make sure they feel loved and safe and, you know, really engage with them, then of course they're going to be asking yeah. for stupid shit like that. Um, so uh, I, I try and take her lead. When things get really rough, uh, I'm very grateful that my, uh, it was actually my dad who convinced me to uh, finally go and see a doctor uh, three, four Years ago, um, I'd been running away from or just convincing myself that I could self-medicate with alcohol and 
um, work and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it turns out I have responded very, very well to uh, anti-depression and mm. anxiety medication. It makes a big, big difference for me. And the biggest thing, honestly, is is something that I I hate to admit, especially to a someone who loves the Gold Coast mm-hmm. as much as you do. But uh, um, I'm not an outdoors person. I don't enjoy being outdoors. I look forward to sitting on the couch and watching sport, drinking beer, playing video games. I would never leave the house if I didn't have to. What this place what living in a really spectacular outdoorsy warm place like like uh, the gold coast does is it allows me i would say yeah. forces me <laughs> to get out and enjoy the outdoors and when i do that i feel more connected to the rest of the world and more in tune with myself that sounds really hippie but i am somewhat forced to consider myself as part of a mm-hmm. bigger whole and that has really helped me to stave off feelings of loneliness and um, selfishness and um, you, you, it's really hard to navel gaze when you live yeah. You know, yeah, the and basically. and this is uh, um, there's been a massive body of study around um, how how nature and being in nature, whether that's the ocean or the um, or the or the bush or whatever else, uh, actually recalibrates our um, uh, neurobiology. So you're not speaking about woo woo or mystical stuff. You're actually speaking about stuff that. <laughs> <laughs> is clearly evidenced supports us to be uh, more able to respond to the world when we have uh, when we are nourished by by the ocean or by nature in some way. Yeah. 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 I you know I don't have um, the 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 body <laughs> the body of research or the memory that you do. I I don't uh, I don't love exercise um I, I, any of the any of the the things that i'm sure that that sort of study in, uh, encourages but what i want to say for any men out there who um, have considered themselves in a similar light you know they love working they love um, being in the city they love you know driving their car whatever it is i i, I feel you i never ever enjoyed and still to a certain extent don't really enjoy I don't look forward to the weekend and go gee I can't wait to you know get outdoors and go for a bike ride or something like that what what this place and what being more outdoorsy away from a city has has really you know forced and you know I guess I should Mm -hmm. say encouraged me to do is Mm -hmm. to uh, appreciate these things in a way that I even bought a fishing rod recently. I'm actually getting out and spending time rather yeah. than meditating. I sit and sit by a lake where there is nobody there to bother me and ask me questions. And I let my mind wander in a way that I don't think is possible when you're surrounded by advertising or your, your mobile phone screen or any other interruption. And I've come up with some really good ideas lately, sitting by like... So that is stuff. the accepted version of um, meditation, by the way. <laughs> uh, I would think that if 
you could uh, wrap up the experience of uh, drinking a beer, watching the sun go down, um, and having a, a, a quiet word, a bit of a chat with some local wildlife when they come up to, you know, try and steal your sandwich or whatever. Uh, it, it, I, I, I am deeply, deeply grateful to have been pushed to a point where that is uh, that is part of my yeah. life now because it never was and um, it's, it's it's had a huge yeah. a profound effect. better than Prozac <laughs> better than Prozac yeah better yeah Prozac. um well, that's really good to hear and so um uh what does it mean to you I'm just going to take a left turn here what does it mean mean um, sure. to you to be strong Oh, good question. I can probably speak to that um, better as a comparison because I've spent so much time feeling weak. So I think strong to me is to have a sense of resilience and being able to bounce back from moments of weakness uh, because they're inevitable and they can so often become signposts or milestones that lead to more weakness and, and feeling, you know, like spiraling out of control. Uh, so for me, strength, I think, is to being able to manage adversity and, and be agile and bounce back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I had so much more. Yeah, okay. So okay. And so, 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 um, uh, can you speak a little bit more about feeling weak for so long? You don't have to. It's entirely up to you. Um, I have become uh, very, very habitual in in my life. Uh, I think there's many, many things that started out as le uh, measures of control or or a response to uh, feeling out of control or, or wanting to experiment in the world, uh, be they uh, work habits, be they drinking habits, old, basically scripts and behaviours that I put in place for myself that got me through childhood or got me mm -hmm. through early adulthood. And over the past you know, couple of years, uh, I've really felt somewhat weakened or, or even... Uh, mm. enslaved by them and um, you know I, I think when when you are when you become when you realize that you've become um, you are now in service of your habits rather than they you know they mm -hmm. are in service of you uh, that is mm. that is a sad day and I, I felt I felt very weakened by that and I to, to the extent that I realized I felt weakened by that for a long time I'm only just now thanks to spending a lot of time sitting by a lake um, by myself I've realized they are no longer habits or um, things which make me feel resilient they're things that reduce that resilience and uh, mm. it sucks because it, no I know mm. how hard it's going to be to break them but I'm you know I'm very lucky that I've got um, a, a wife who is 
very, very um, yes. supportive and, and yeah. patient. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, you've got to reach a place with uh, with habits where you know that that in the in the living of them, they actually do nourish you and support you. And so they might be hard to enact at the beginning, like getting out of a cold bed on a on a warm sorry a warm bed on a cold morning <laughs> to do something that that will make you feel like really great for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. There's uh, there's a really famous uh, I guess ratio in so I work I work in yeah. uh, technology. I work in with startups a lot, and there's a, a a ratio that I really love, which is something if you're going to build a product uh, a replacement product uh, that you want people to switch from you know a, a supermarket to using your grocery delivery service mm-hmm. or whatever it is is if it's 10 times faster 10 times cheaper 10 times more convenient or 10 times safer whatever it is then it's it they, they'll they'll come that it's it's pretty much as simple as that any less than that, and I, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but essentially it, it you know, it, it reduces the likelihood that people will shift, you know, by an order of magnitude each, you know, percentage point or whatever it is. The more, unless something, unless a new habit is very easy or produces 10 times more joy or freedom or happiness or whatever, it's really hard to, to do. And so I've, that that's kind of one of the reasons why I really enjoy living here where we do, where it's kind of easier to create more positive habits for me to be outdoors and exercise and and therefore, you know, gain the psychological benefits of that because all I had to do was get a car (laughs) when we moved here was, you know, I, I, I have access to a car, but I don't have my own car, which forces me to ride my bike to get places and uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm five kilos lighter than I was 12 months ago and uh, I haven't changed anything else. I just kind of forced myself to implement that. And there's another side to that as well, which is how it makes you feel in the... um, in the early days of my, when I started getting into sport as a habit, which I've done for a long time, several decades now, but in the early days, I, I used to have this little process that was really powerful, which is I'd be lying in bed in that sweet spot. It's always the sweet spot when you don't want to get up. You can't argue with the sweet spot. <laughs> I'd be lying in bed and I'd play this game. I'd go, all right, so it's six o'clock now in the morning, 6 a.m. Just imagine that I nothing's happened, I haven't moved out of bed, but just imagine it's now 7 a.m. and I got out of bed and I did whatever I was going to do, go for a walk, a run, a bike ride, whatever it was. How would I feel at 7 a.m. that I've done it? Oh, and then I'd, wow. I'd ask the same question, how would I feel at 5 p.m. on the same day that I've done it? Now there's another part oh. of this question which is really powerful, which is, I'm still in bed. I haven't moved. It's still 6 a.m. If I don't do this, if I stay in bed and it's 7 a.m., how will I feel? And if it's 5 p.m., how will I feel? So now I get to choose. And there are occasions, there are rare occasions where staying in bed, you will actually feel better at 7 and you'll feel better at 5. You may be exhausted, you may be jet lagged, you may be, you may be getting a cold or whatever else like that. You may need to, to take care of yourself. 
But most of the time, the answer is, I'm actually going to feel really good at 7 o'clock. I'm going to feel really good at 5 p.m. knowing that I did it this morning. And so it then enables you to choose, do you want to have um, a good day? <laughs> oh, boy. That is it's pretty good exercise. It seems so simple yeah. when you put it like that. To be able to ask that question and know that yeah. the right thing is will make you feel better. And yet somehow my brain has spent more time searching, searching for loopholes and becoming incredibly, yeah. incredibly effective at executing yeah. on loopholes um, that all of a sudden now, 10 years, 15 years down the track, I'm overweight and miserable because of all yeah. of the loopholes that I got through and now <laughs> feel somewhat overwhelmed by all the distance that I need to make up. So, yeah, so let me um, give the antithesis of that because it's really important to put the shadow on this. So particularly with obsessive compulsive type A driven people, men and women, so the obsessive compulsive type A driven person will go through that exercise and their body will be in the process of breaking down because they've been going so hard for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and months. And they'll go through that exercise and they will jam their system and go, oh, shut up, you weak pussy, or whatever it is that they'll say. You need to get your ass out of bed and you need to go and do this. When in actual fact, their body needs to stay in bed and get rest. And so, 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 so the ability to to really trust that we know what is best for ourselves you know in that in that moment and to honor and respect what we need for us to show up healthy and whole is part of that i've equal as equally as it is hard for the undisciplined to get up and do some discipline it is hard for the disciplined the over disciplined to actually stay in bed Interesting. Well, <laughs> for those of you listening who uh, lean towards the latter, um, consider this my digital virtual high five. Um, I, I hope you enjoy your incredibly well-toned um, body. Yeah, and life. that are breaking down because they're not. Uh, because yeah, they're not getting like... any. Yeah, breaking down because they're not getting any rest. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, yeah. I'm very sorry to hear that. It's an unsustainable and, and miserable life regardless. But yes. <laughs> okay. So, so another question for you. What is success to you? Hmm. Success to me at this point would be li uh, putting the great little insight and tool that you've just given me into action. Okay. Um, <laughs> Even, even once. Even let's go. Once. Let's go meta. Let's go. Uh, no, I, you, uh, okay. you can do that. I know you can do sure. that. So let's let's talk about uh, in a couple of years. If you were looking back at your at, at at this current arc of your life, um, how would you know that you've actually um, you you can stand there and go, "Yep, I'm I'm I I, I like myself for the choices that I made." Uh, great question. Um, I'm very lucky to say that um, despite being financially and physically um, way behind, uh, very, very uh, low in, in, uh, by most metrics, 
um, I feel very successful in in sort of the I guess the methodology that you've just outlined. I, I'm I'm very proud of the choices that I've made for exactly the the reasons we've discussed. I I recognised that living in you know a big city, doing a lot, exerting a lot of the habits uh, that mm. or exhibiting a lot of the yeah traits that that made me happy weren't necessarily the right things for my family Mm -hmm. and um prioritizing uh those two um little barbarians and and my lovely wife ahead of myself feels like the right choice and is much more sustainable um to extrapolate on that or to go truly meta Mm -hmm. um i've set myself a goal in so I guess shadow or contrast as you put it to um, a number of work in the technology sector um, who want to create a billion dollar company uh, I want to positively affect um, and empower uh, a billion people with technology so uh, I have zero interest in in you know, getting any sort of real financial um, windfall from the work that I do. What really drives me is having um, a level of impact and, and create emotional connections, I guess, uh, for people with, uh, with top technology, which often makes, most, makes a lot of people really scared, particularly, I think, in the next three to five years, um, the numbers that I've been doing lately says that, uh, indicate that we're looking at, you know, 20 to 30% of, of jobs absolutely disappearing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I don't care, you know, what your model, I, I don't care which way you look at it. I don't see those jobs being replaced. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there will be a, a huge, huge, and very painful transition um, before um, any, any of those jobs are replaced. And, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, <laughs> humankind will find a way to look after itself. I don't doubt that. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a very painful part, particularly here in Australia where we have survived on an appetite of apathy for far too long. And plus plus coal and, and, uh, and uh, resources that are no longer desired <laughs> despite totally people totally. saying that they are <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah so yeah you know, uh regardless of your um, political or um you know ideological persuasion technology is not going to stop or even slow down for anyone it won't slow down because the government asks it to it won't slow down for any reason when there is such a an enormous financial and uh, sociological push for faster and faster technological adoption. So uh, what I believe that most other people may not is that those jobs will disappear, particularly across regional areas, um, but, you know, um, increasingly into white-collar middle-class jobs and that um, for places like Australia, which don't have you know, any real um, neighbours or sort of we're not landlocked in any way, so we don't have any Mm. competitors, um, any other countries uh, reminding us that we need to pick up our game. Most Australians are really going to be smashed by this. So for me, success in a couple of years would absolutely be helping 
people both in Australia and 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 I'd like to think on a more um, Western world level um, to help them understand what's coming down the pipeline so they can be more prepared and hopefully resilient um, when AI blockchain and um, autonomous trucks are doing the jobs that um, yeah we're no longer needed for yeah and so I mean that sort of sort of circles back to this male female thing because um, a, a lot of the like truck driving for example male dominated industry in a in an area where um, there is this shifting sand of what it what it means to be a male in parenthesis provider etc cetera, etc cetera, um, as we discussed earlier and then on the other side of that, the tech industry that seems to continually be male-dominated in its creation. And, I mean, I have some concerns about that, obviously. <laughs> um, I only have to look, we only have to look at history to go, I'm not quite sure that completely male-designed systems have been, um, show evidence of being really good. <laughs> but... <laughs> So, so in that, I mean, it, it, this, is, this is part of this inquiry um, is that it, it raises how we might as humanity uh, create a future that gives opportunity to everybody. Yeah, well said. Um, so my first uh, real attempt at um, building a more representative and, and diverse uh, set of inputs to to both the tech industry and I think you know more culturally uh, was a large scale event um, in Queensland in Australia called Myriad. Myriad being, uh, I guess, a synonym for infinite. I really believe that Australia has a unique position in in the world in that globally we're viewed somewhat as an Asian country, we are, you know, dead set in the middle of Asia. And yet we view ourselves uh, for the most part as a very, very Western uh, American or UK style. And that is a really unique set of circumstances that allows for a myriad of opportunities, cultures, languages, uh, to be represented and and to come together and discuss different perspectives um, and hopefully, as a subsequence, have input into better designed products, companies, you know, political parties, mm -hmm. etc. I am very, very strongly of the belief that without complexity or, you know, basically complexity and interwovenness and connections lead to higher value economies and higher value cultures and so going all white or all nationalistic or um, all all anything um, is stupid it's, yeah. it's unsustainable yeah so if I guess uh, to a well to answer your question, um, yes, I believe it's important. Yes, I am doing think is, is the best I can to try and help that, but um, I welcome any insight or, or connections to people who are also interested in this because I, I just I don't we could possibly have a, a, a more pressing question right now than how do we get along? 
better? Mm. How do we understand yeah. and appreciate one another better when technology has essentially switched on? I mean, no one has ever had to care what the rest of the world or said before. Mm. We had to think it maybe about, you know, a hundred kilometers radius or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like one country over. And all of yeah. a sudden now, um, the, the, we're, the, we're global. the benefits are sure you can build a, a global business. You can, you can ship your ideas or your products or whatever to anywhere in the world instantly. You can also now feel entirely alone and terrified and overwhelmed by the sheer volume of opinions and ideas and cultures, which yeah. are everywhere and available for everyone. And I think, in the in in as you as you so beautifully uh, circled back um, earlier, the this is something which women have been doing naturally, and 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 socially, you know, it's been socially acceptable for women to reach out for help, um, to to build the virtual and physical village to raise uh, children for hundreds of thousands of years or whatever it is this is a new scary paradigm for men to suddenly be forced somewhat to ask questions about themselves and other people and um and <laughs> often yeah. sound wanting yeah and it includes things like emotional labor and so on that is um and the caring economy and and things that are so often um well in our in our current uh, models are not given any place you know they're not registered on anyone's they're not part of GDP. They're not registered anywhere in anything that, that our current business economic system um, considers um, of value. The, the, uh, the, home, the economy of the home, <laughs> for example. <laughs> I, I believe that it requires a, uh, um, a real commitment. It, it sort of goes back to your, your, that, that lying in bed at, at six o'clock in the morning. If we want a different day, we actually have to get up and do something. And uh, and so, if we want to bring diversity to the to the table, it's not it, we can't fall back on the on the um, the usual meritocracy slogan. You know, I can't find anyone that's qualified enough. Well, they might not be qualified in a particular category of being a hardcore coder with um, nerdish features, <laughs> but they may know how to design communities or, you know, all of that sort of stuff, which is not, a, not considered in the equation. So it's, it, it, uh, it's a commitment, in my opinion. It requires, it requires a rattling of the cages of our existing worldview about what is required to build a future that um, where we can start planning for a hundred years forward for um, the full lives of our children. Your, your kids living to whatever a hundred years from now is scary stuff. More probably because they're probably going to live longer than that. It is. It is. <laughs> I think most, most parents think about um, a world where their kids will learn to drive and, you know, grow up and make decisions and whatever. But uh, I much like the, I guess the uh, drawing uh, analogies between um, the story I told earlier about how I felt I didn't really feel like a parent until that you know it was absolutely smashing me in the face. Um, it is exactly that level of um, head in the sand type uh, approach which I'm 
I'm I'm I'm trying very hard to help um, in the work mm. that I'm doing because I don't think most people will really be thinking they need to get up earlier or make a change in their lives until they lose their you know mm. their job or their entire town yeah is decimated by a, a factory full of robots mm-hmm. um, yeah and 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 I I really question whether decisions about the technology which is coming down the pipeline is being made with the best interests of people at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, much less all people. So let me make this really personal um, because I just figured this out. <laughs> I'm being very sharp at my mathematics right now. <laughs> so so Bonnie uh, will probably be around, we hope she is, um, in 2118. My goodness. Which is 100 years from now. Wow. And so I wonder if we really sort of started looking at that and going, our kids whatever the ages are but let's look at the young kids right now they're going to be around then and given the rate of technological change that we've experienced in the last uh two decades are we really thinking about this (laughs) are we really thinking about what we're creating (laughs) and and if we were going to bring um our our wonderful ability to be wise humans that we have the capacity to be you know how would we best do that and uh and so um that that does enable all human thriving as in healthy men healthy women healthy whatever however you manifest in the world healthy humans to actually create a world that works my goodness um (laughs) I would love to think that I have uh, a, a a brilliant um, answer to that. I, think, uh, <laughs> I don't, Murray. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Sadly, but, you yeah. really knocked me off my feet with the thought that my daughter will be alive a hundred years from now, and that the world will still even exist post Trump. Um, <laughs> well, let's hope. I mean, he's. He's a cowboy. He's still got his finger on it. He's still got the access to the button. Totally. So let's hope. Uh, let's hope. Look, I, I think uh, I, I am a very, very strong believer in, in the power of curiosity and, and, and acting on, uh, the, on our curiosity. So the fact that you are asking these questions, I am asking these questions, uh, uh, the audience is asking themselves enough questions to have looked up this yeah. podcast and explore this within themselves. Yeah. Um, that has not happened before, um, you know, except by, you know, philosophers uh, standing in the, in the street corner and preaching to the people who happen to be walking past or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, not always like, called philosophers. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly the the uh you know the speed at which people can now research and 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 comprehend the you know the the vastness of a a particular problem or set of challenges and get to work um applying their their mind or their tools or their skills to help with said challenges is 
the reason that I've dedicated my life to technology and, you know, to be able to connect those people across vast distances and plug them in different ways across different, you know, uh, not just uh, cultures, but ages. I mean, my, uh, my kids uh, help me try and figure out uh, problems that, you know, I can't write code, but I'm trying to help them to learn how to code so that we can <laughs> have a great little startup team between the three of us or four of us. You know, I, I think the best, the best tool we have is the ability to ask questions. And because the more questions you ask, the better. Yeah. And, um, you know, the more focused we can, we can get on, uh, on achieving better outcomes. It sounds wishy-washy, but... Um, I don't think there is uh, any any more pointed way of uh, solving things than simply figuring out what we're actually trying to solve. Yeah. Cool. So um, we're just going to wrap. Um, is there anything that you want to add as a final um, something based on the entire arc of this conversation that you feel is important for you to say? Um, not in particular. I'd, I'd like to point out that for anyone who is vaguely interested or worried about uh, these types of issues, uh, to, to, to make it known, certainly, you know, I'd love to hear from you um, if you're interested in, you know, the, the, I guess, the ethical side of technology. There, it is becoming more of a, um, I wouldn't say, it's, it's maybe a dull roar. Um, that of people asking these sort of types of questions, but I cannot stress enough just how how incredibly broad and deep and enormous <laughs> the the change uh, that is coming down the pipeline. I think in the next few years, mm. very few lives will not be completely altered by the technology which is is being developed right now. And so, if you're worried about your own job um, or those around you much less your kids then um, let's let's actually ask the right questions rather than just try and fight it and say it's someone else's fault we there are questions we can ask and things that we can do now to start to form better products better technologies uh, which you know better serve us rather than us needing to serve them right and so how do people reach you murray uh, hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm Murray DG uh, on Twitter and Instagram and all the other boring stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, my website is murraygalbraith.com. I'd love to hear from anyone who has interesting questions about anything. Great. Um, we will put um, contact details and so on in the show notes. Thank you very much for being on this uh, podcast and for um, being a fabulous role model of a father and a husband and a, um, a citizen who is um, dedicated to creating a world that works for humans. It is my sincere pleasure to serve alongside you, Christine. Thank, <laughs> okay. you for, uh, thanks, thanks for asking me to be a part of it. Wonderful. Lovely. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. To listen to more of these conversations and access the show notes, visit 223am.com. That's the number two, the number two, the number three am.com and experience a whole new kind of success and fulfillment. 
If you've got what it takes, experience a session directly with Dr. Christine McDougall. Visit 223am.com and apply now. Thanks for listening.